Hello everyone and welcome to Locked on Flames. Today we are going to do a deeper dive and a bit of an analysis of Andrew Mangiapane's three-year, $5.8 million contract extension. Your Locked on Flames, your daily podcast on the Calgary Flames. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to Locked on Flames. I'm your host, Jess Belmosto. Thank you so much for tuning into another episode. It is August, so we are in the dog days of the offseason, but an RFA has decided to stay in Calgary, and that means Andrew Mangiapane is here for the next three years. We're going to dissect that a little bit more today and talk about why the three-year term makes a bit of sense, and it's not something to question but as always, make sure you're subscribed to Locked on Flames wherever you get your podcasts. And we are available for free on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, Audible, you name it, and YouTube as well. Free 99 will always be free. So last night, it always happens when I'm just minding my own business and usually getting ready for bed. Uh, Matthew Kachuk trade quite literally broke when I was sound asleep at 11 o'clock on a Friday night. (laughs) But last night was a little bit different. I was hanging out watching How I Met Your Mother, and next thing I knew, I get a notification saying Andrew Mangiapane three-year extension is done. We talked about how arbitration can create really uncomfortable situations and can almost create a bit of animosity and bad blood between the two parties because you are, you know, campaigning for why your player shouldn't make this much money. And it's kind of, I don't know, an awkward situation. So let's talk term salary. What what this means for the Flames for the next three years. Three years, okay? Three years. That feels like it's a short period of time, but it's kind of a long time in hockey. If you think about it, how fast teams can fall from grace and how fast a team can rebuild themselves. I mean, look at the Colorado Avalanche and what they did in five years even, where they were five years ago. So we just got to think about that, you know? And Arizona was a playoff team, three years ago as well, three, four years ago. So, you know, three years can, a lot can happen. But he is now the second highest paid Flames player on the payroll behind Sean Monaghan. The Milan Lucic contract um, doesn't count there because he was traded for, so it's technically not a contract that they signed. But my first reaction to this was, okay, good, number one. I was relieved that they weren't going to arbitration. I was very relieved to see that they were able to get an extension done. I've mentioned it before on the show, but the agent for Majupani did not want to do a one or a two year deal. They wanted something long term, but I guess they met in the middle <laughs> with three, which is fair because, you know, Majupani is 26, he'll be 27. In April, and that takes him to, you know, that life-changing contract year. And I, 
I guess it it is a fair timeline, in my opinion. I think it is. I think it's very fair to sit there and say, okay, his development started a little bit later than others, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. And he he's here. He's here now, and it gives Tree Living time to continue to put together a contending team. Tree Living's contract is up at the end of this season, as well as Daryl Sutter's. So you know that they're both going to be working hard in order to earn that extension. Do I think that the Flames will be playoff teams those next three years? Probably. I mean, they're in the Pacific Division. It's not that ridiculous, not that hard to make the playoffs. But I just, I'm hoping what we see here is a continuation of what we saw last year. 25, 30 goals every season from him is not unrealistic. I think that that is absolutely something that he is capable of doing. He had a quote uh, from, he was talking to Ryan Dietrich. Dietrich? Uh, He writes, I know he writes for the Flames website and works for the team. He says... I was a little timid to start my career. I think now I'm just coming into my own and showing the world what I can do, that I can be an everyday impact player. There's room for players to step up, and that includes me. That includes other players. There's room there. There's opportunity, and now it's time for us to fill fill spots and continue our own growth, too. I, that's, you know, that's a great way to put it. Um, I think that, you know, if anyone's going to speak on their own growth and how they can continue to help this team, it's going to be the player themselves. It is absolutely, uh, great that a player has some self-awareness there. You know, it's, uh, you know, no one is, is immune to criticism. And I think a lot of people are just going off of how he kind of fell flat in the playoffs and they're not considering how he scored almost 40 goals in his second full season with the team. Just an observation. And we're going to talk more about uh, his career so far next because I'm very intrigued to see where this goes. Do, Do we think he has a regression next year? Do we think that he continues to score north of 20 goals? But it's not just about the goals. Let's not forget that Manjuhani is every coach's dream in a 200-foot player. He is just, he brings so much to the team in terms of uh, special teams, five-on-five strength, that defense, the ability to score. He does it all. And I think that he just, he's not set up for failure. He's being set up for success here, especially with that Backland and Coleman line. That line is going to be one of the best in the NHL this year. I guarantee it. (laughs) So coming up next, we're going to discuss Majupani's career so far and how he is a little bit of a late bloomer and there's nothing wrong with that. But first we are going to talk about Bet Online. Bet online uh, encourages you to gamble safely as well as I do. Um, there are plenty of resources out there if you are struggling. And, um, you know, there's plenty of things to bet on. The LPGA is starting this week. 
uh, definitely bet on that. There's regular uh, men's golf. There's the uh, MLB. The trade deadline's gone. There are plenty of things to bet on now. I think the Padres are probably moving in towards the favorites there. I still think it's going to be a Yankees-Padres or Yankees-Dodgers World Series. But uh, don't don't take advice from me. <laughs> Head on over to Bet Online and see what the experts are saying. Bet Online has everything you need from A to Z to place your bets. Bet Online, where the game starts. Andrew Mangiapane was a sixth round steal back in 2015. He was the 166th, 166th pick overall. He is 5'10 uh, and 184 pounds. He is a quote-unquote little man. He is now the little guy on this team now that Gaudreau is gone. But he he did spend some time developing. There's And again, there's nothing wrong with that. Some players are ready for the NHL straight out of the barrel, straight out of the shotgun. I don't know what I'm trying to say here. But, um, you know, they're straight out of the gate. That is the word I'm looking for. There we go. And there's nothing wrong with that. Everyone develops at a different pace. You know, think of like, when you're growing up and like you hit a growth spurt and then your friend didn't hit theirs for like a few months after and then all of a sudden they're taller than you and then you're like playing catch up with them. That's how I view development. Everybody kind of goes at their own pace, especially depending on what um, system they're in, that it, it, what organization they're in and that there's, again, nothing wrong with taking your time. I know most... RFAs, you know, are 24. Like you look at Matthew Kachuk, 23, 24, when they hit that uh, their first or second RFA status, rather. And Manjipani is 26 years old. He shares a birthday with someone that I know. And that's quite literally the only reason I remember that <laughs> to the day. So he will turn 27 on April 4th. So let's remember that. So that's, you know, he'll hit... UFA status at 29. So again, that's the contract. That's the big life-changing contract. But let's get back to his, his career before I go on a tangent here. Uh, in his first 10 games played with Calgary back in 2017, 2018, he was 21 years old. He had no points. No goalless. It was a minus three. Not that plus minus is ever really a, a fair assessment. I don't, I really don't like that statistic. But the following year, he played 44 games and he had eight goals, 13 points. So you see, he's, he's getting there. He's building up to something. And then this next season is when I started covering the Flames and I knew this kid was going to be special from uh, the stats that I had seen when I had was learning the roster as well as just watching him play. I thought that uh, he just brought something really special to the team. He passed the eye test and he looks great on paper as well. So this was the season of the pause and he played 68 games he had 17 goals and 15 assists. So again, he is continuing to build that momentum. He's finding his footing. He's finding his game. He's able to find the back of the net. 
he's making plays. And I think that he, again, if the pause hadn't happened, he probably would have cracked 25 or 20 to 25 goals. I I don't think that that is, um, you know, a crazy for me to say the following year. This was his first complete season. It was the shortened season. So this was his first full year up in the NHL with the Calgary Flames. I don't count the pause because that was completely unexpected. Maybe I should. I don't know. Comment down below. <laughs> so he, this is his... Uh, he's 24 now, right? 56 games. He ha- This is his career year, right? Everybody is so excited for him to break through and hit 20 goals because he was on pace for it, right? So through 56 games, he ended up having 18 goals, 14 assists, and he was, I'm trying to find, he had, <laughs> he had four game-winning goals, which I think is crazy. Um, I don't know, I'm, especially in the North Division, I would never want to live through that again. That was so that was, I was so tired of playing the same six teams, seven other teams over and over and over. It was a nightmare. But, you know, I think that's kind of when he started making himself a little bit more well-known to people outside of Calgary. He was playing such a fun game against players in the North Division, like Austin Matthews, like Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl. I can't say <laughs> that they played their best against the Senators, even though they were one of the worst teams in the league. Uh, whatever it was, the Senators just had the Flames number, and they were just all over them. But again, you know, you look at this last season that he's had, and 82 games, he had 35 goals. 35 goals. In 20 assists, he started out the season strong, so strong. I I don't know what it was, but the momentum, the season started and he was just like a bat out of H-E double hockey stick because he was just absolutely phenomenal from, you know, offensively, defensively, that, uh, Mangiapane, Backlund, and Coleman line was just everything that you could dream of when you think of a 200-foot game. And they were not set up to succeed in the series against Edmonton. I think that they should have been out there against the uh, the McDavid line. I think that that would have been an absolutely uh, just a lot more successful than putting out Lindholm, like the real top line, I guess. Um But I really am so impressed with how his game has improved. Even his, like, stick handling, he's getting down into the corners more. He is just one of the best players on the Flames, and I think will be for the next coming years. And there's nothing really to, um, you know, nothing really more to add to that. I think that he is someone who will grow with the Flames and will absolutely succeed um, on that line. You know, he's a player that you can kind of plug anywhere in the top six, but especially the middle six as well. I think that 
uh, last year he scored a, a chunk of his goals on the third line. But that there's truly nothing wrong with that. I don't think I am very um, impressed with what he does. And everyone else should be. This next season could easily become the season where he becomes a household name. I, I, I'm just saying I that is what I could see happening. <laughs> and especially, you know, if Blake, if Blake Coleman is able to adjust to the, you know, settle in in his sophomore season in Calgary, I absolutely see that line being a problem. And there's nothing, nothing wrong with that. I think that would be incredible to have, you know, two real top lines your top six would be really solid. And I don't want to see Toffoli kind of move down to the third line. I want to see him try out that right right wing on the top, but on that first line. So we'll have to see. And coming up next, we're going to wrap up the show with where the Flames could be in three years and how this probably will be an entirely different team. Thank you all so much for following along with Locked On Flames. Don't forget you can follow me on Twitter at Jess Belmosto, and you can follow the show's Twitter feed at LO underscore Flames Pod. I think it's fun to speculate about where a team could be in three years because, you know, I mentioned earlier, three years ago, Arizona was in the playoffs. <laughs> three years ago, um, Winnipeg was in the playoffs. The Blue Jackets were in the playoffs. Um, you know, the Rangers were still in their rebuild phase. And now they're in the, they just made it to the Eastern Conference Finals. Buffalo is, was still buffaloing. <laughs> but um, I just, I think that there's a lot that can happen. And obviously you see how much can happen over a summer. But right now, <laughs> Blake Coleman is the only flame that uh, will be under contract in in those three years. Well, at the end of those three years, Dylan Dubé will be an RFA. Um, I would like to think that the Flames will have <laughs> some extensions done before then so they're not uh, rebuilding the entire team. But, uh, you know, I would assume a Lindholm extension gets done. Jonathan Huberto probably gets done as well. I know over the weekend that Huberto and Brad Tree Living met in Montreal for some nice dinner. Can only imagine what they talked about. Can only imagine, you know, the the conversations they had over, you know, a nice $30 steak and an expensive bottle of wine. Dylan Dubé, like I had mentioned, is going to be an RFA. And I, that's another player I'm interested in to see where he is in three years because he he has a lot of potential and Noah Hannafin will hopefully still be a flame. I don't know. I, I don't know where his career is going to take him. Could it go? Could he go back East? Go back home? I don't know. Mackenzie Weger. Um, he mentioned he wants to sign long-term in Calgary and uh, in three years, that is uh, probably the, the start of, uh, or at least the beginning of a long-term deal for him. Um, 
I don't have very high expectations. I'm going to be entirely honest with you. I'm not in like a, oh, this team is going to uh, just be in the toilet in three years. No, I just, based on how this summer has gone, you cannot predict any of it. You cannot predict who stays, who goes, who gets brought in. Clearly, because when... Matthew Kachuk was traded, you're sitting there thinking, who's going to be the return? And you're certainly not thinking Mackenzie Weger and Jonathan Huberdo and a first round pick and a prospect. So, you know, you just, you have to, <laughs> you have to think because I just, you can't let yourself get stressed out season by season. And I, I do hope that, and I do expect not hope. I fully expect the Flames to offer him the world the same way that they did with Gaudreau and Kachuk. Now, do I think he's going to be making $10 million? No, absolutely not. I don't think that that's uh, going to be Mangiapane money. Do I think, you know, seven, seven million, seven point five? Sure. Um, and they offer him that eighth year? Yeah, I do. I think that that could be something that's very possible for him and very possible for this organization to offer him. Um, I just, I don't think it's unrealistic to see him resign here, but at the same time, I don't know because I also said that uh, Matthew Kuchuk and Johnny were going to sign here. So don't, don't take anything I say too seriously, I guess. I don't know. I, it has been a cruel summer for the Flames, but also it's been kind of rewarding as well. So why don't we just wrap up today with some good news. Namji Pony saying they avoid arbitration. I don't believe they have any more RFAs to sign because uh, Shillington's deal got done as well. So we're going to see what this roster looks like and we'll have plenty more to talk about as the summer rolls on. And Brett Sutter is also um, now part of the Calgary Flames organization again. Uh, he is now on the Calgary Wranglers, which is going to take some time to get used to saying the Calgary Wranglers. Yeehaw. But thank you all so much for tuning in to today's episode of Locked on Flames. As always, I'm your host, Jess Belmosto, and you can follow me on Twitter at Jess Belmosto, and you can subscribe to the show wherever you get your favorite podcasts, and I will see you later. Bye-bye.